0: This morning we're going to consider Esther in the kingdom for such a time as this, in the kingdom for such a time as this. We're looking at the whole of chapter 4 of the book of Esther. Haman the Agagite who was second only to King Ahasuerus in the Medo-Persian Empire sought and received the go-ahead from the king to destroy, kill and cause to perish all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women. Last time we met we looked at the indifference of Haman and the king towards the plight of the Jews in that they sat down and they drank wine whilst the city of Shushan was perplexed. It was seen as an example of the depth of the depravity of the human heart. As it is written in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save people with desperately wicked hearts. And blessed are you if you are trusting in his work of redemption, having acknowledged that it is not just the likes of Haman, King Ahasuerus, and indeed some of today's tyrannical world leaders who have desperately wicked hearts, that you do as well. Blessed are you if you you have come to that realisation and received Jesus as your saviour from sin. Today we shall look at the response of Mordecai the Jew who unwittingly brought about the death sentence on his people when he enraged Haman by refusing to bow down and reverence him. Also later on in verse 8 we'll see Mordecai sending what amounted to a command to his adopted daughter Queen Esther to approach the king and plead for the Jews. First of all, looking at verse verses 1 to 3 again, let me read them for you. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. The wearing of sackcloth and ashes was an outward show of inner grief, and by going to the city centre wailing and dressed in sackcloth and ashes, Mordecai made known his sorrow and his distress to everyone. He wasn't hiding it. And that's perfectly understandable when you consider that a genocide of his people was on the cards. What I struggle to understand is the general apathy in our land and even in the churches despite the fact that there is an ongoing genocide of our youngest and most vulnerable people, unborn babies. Where are the sackcloth and ashes? I have yet to see them. When we eventually get to chapter 7, we'll see Haman, the instigator of the planned genocide of the Jews, being hanged from the gallows. Yet here on our island, the word is that the instigator and architect of one of the most liberal abortion laws in Europe may well be our next chief minister. Ordinarily, as a servant of the king, Mordecai's usual place was in the king's gate, as can be seen in chapter 2 and verse 21. However, with his sackcloth and ashes... Mordecai was permitted to go no further than before the gate. It would seem that the king wanted nothing to do with miserable people. How very different it is with the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, who when he was in the world put his hand upon a miserable leper and healed him. Even now Jesus heals broken-hearted and contrite people from their sins and he gives them the great privilege of becoming sons and daughters of the Most High God. Even though King Ahasuerus sipped his wine at the same time that there was great mourning among the Jews and he would not allow anyone in sackcloths and ashes in the gate, you can be sure that as long as this world continues King Jesus will continue to add to his church all who believe and and believe that he has lived a sinless life on their behalf and paid the price for their sin at the cross. Furthermore, Jesus will be with them. He will be with them, even those Christians in Afghanistan, and he will never forsake them. People were not allowed through the gate and into the presence of King Ahasuerus. But if you are a Christian, you have the great privilege of entering into the Holy of Holies by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, your great God and Saviour. Let's have a look at verses 4 through to 9. So Esther's maid's and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai, and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was, and why it was. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city which was before the king's gate and Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. (coughs) Also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. As we've already seen, Mordecai didn't even get beyond the palace gate because he had sackcloth and ashes on. Even so, news of his and all the other Jews' sackcloth and ashes and their weeping and their wailing reached Queen Esther via her servants. It was just as well that Esther's servants told her about the weeping and wailing of Mordecai and the other Jews in the real world outside the palace gate. Otherwise she would never have found out, probably. Whether or not the queen's servants knew that Mordecai was her adoptive father is not given to us. But they certainly knew that he had been concerned about her welfare. We can see that to be the case in chapter 2 and verse 11, where it is written, And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house, to know how Esther did and what should become of her. That happened before Esther was married to King Ahasuerus and before she became his queen. In light of Mordecai's concern for Esther, perhaps her servants figured that she would be concerned about his welfare as well. Whatever it was that caused the servants to tell Esther about the sorrowing of the Jews and, in particular, of Mordecai, her father, her adopted father, can you see that the hand of God was directing events, especially when you bear in mind that Esther and not Mordecai would end up being God's instrument to deliver the Jews from destruction. It was inevitable that Esther was going to find out somehow about what was going on outside of those palace gates. Although Esther had been made aware of the mourning among the Jews and and Mordecai, she was still oblivious to the reason for it. We're further informed in verse 4 that the queen was exceedingly grieved and out of concern for Mordecai, she had clothes sent to him. She could so easily have ignored what she had heard from her servants and continued to the good, continued to enjoy the good life instead, just like her husband the king. But she didn't. She was exceedingly grieved. When the clothes arrived, Mordecai did not take them. Neither did he take the opportunity to ask the servants to tell Esther about Haman's wicked scheme to destroy the Jews. He didn't mention it to the servants. It was only when in verse 5, Queen Esther sent Haytak, the, uh, the king's chamberlain, with an order to find out what was going on, that Mordecai sent Haytak back to her with an explanation of Haman's wicked intention. And also Mordecai gave what amounted to a command... To his adopted daughter, the queen, to approach the king on behalf of all the Jews. Well, have a look at verses 10 to 17. 10 to the end. Again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever whether man or woman shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called there is one law of his to put him to death except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come to come in unto the king these thirty days and they told to Mordecai Esther's words then Mordecai commanded, Esther, uh, to, commanded to answer Esther think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time then shall enlargement their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink, three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way, and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. We can see in these verses that people didn't enter into the presence of King Ahasuerus without an invitation. Not even the queen was allowed to do that. If they did, they were put to death in accordance with the law. All the king's servants knew that to be the case and that would have included Mordecai. He would have known that law because according to chapter 3 and verse 2, he also was one of the king's servants. However, With all the Jews under sentence of death it would seem that quite understandably Mordecai wasn't too bothered about that law. Also we can see that Mordecai was not some kind of fatalist who believed in sitting back and doing nothing when clearly something needed to be done. Sadly there seems to be more than a few Christians who do precisely that. Because, as they point out, God is in control, which of course he is. For example, there are Christians who never engage in evangelism. They never tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Those people might rightly point out that salvation is of the Lord. And it is God who will save all his elect. It is not them who save people, it is God. However, it ought it ought also to be clear from their own experience of being saved that God uses people as his instruments and he speaks through people, such as parents, Sunday school teachers, Christian friends, and even complete strangers. It's too easy to say that God is in control which we know he is. In our passage, Mordecai urged Esther to be the instrument by which God's work would be done. If she didn't, deliverance would come through some other means. In other words, the deliverance of the Jews would come from God and it did not hinge or depend upon Esther's cooperation. Also, Esther needn't imagine that the deliverance of the Jews would include her if salvation, ca- deliverance came from some other person, through some other person, if she did nothing. Instead, she and her father's house would be destroyed, presumably, presumably because of her inaction. Mordecai said to Esther, who knoweth whether thou art come? to this kingdom for such a time as this. The Bible commentator John Gill pointed out that Mordecai was intimating that he believed that the providence of God had raised Esther to that dignity, that she might be an instrument of saving him.